it about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, bless now this message. I pray that we'd be challenged and you'd be glorified, Father, and our lives would, would take a piece of something tonight out of the message that we'd apply personally. Father, perhaps different ways to different people, but that somebody would, each person I mean, would glean something tonight from the message. We ask it in the name of Jesus, amen. Chapter 11, of course, is known as the Hall of Faith, and we have many, many great faithful Christian people that preceded us in chapter 11, and uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful list of people. Um, I don't know, have they, I think I probably have almost all of them, I just was listing them off, but we have Abel, of course, uh, Cain and Abel, uh, fresh, fresh out of the Garden of Eden, you might say. They have two children, and one had a heart for the Lord, and one did not. Of course, you know the story, Cain killed Abel. Abel is listed in the Hall of Faith. We have a man by the name of Enoch, a man that walked with God, and what? And God took him, for he was not. And God took him, uh, just a man that walked with God, a great man of faith. Noah walked with God, the Bible says. And, of course, a man that we know uh, incredible faith, 120 years. Roy, can you imagine one project, 120 years? Unbelievable. 12 years would be unbelievable. Uh, 120 years. Um, wow. I'm going to shake his hand when we get to heaven. Amen. That's, that's, got, that's got to be the record. Uh, 120 years. Abraham, what a great, great man of faith. Faithful Abraham, father of the faith, we would call him even, and certainly the father of the nation of Israel. But we follow after Abraham in faith. These folks in the hall of faith. Sarah, also the wife. How oh, this precious couple, just trusting in the Lord year by year, and God continually seemingly putting them off in regards to having a child, a, a child that he promised to them, and then just just year after year after year, the disappointment of not having a child. Can you imagine? And finally, Abraham's 100 years old. He's not 120, but he's 100. And Sarah's 90 years old. And the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews we studied on Wednesday night, they were, they were beyond any possibility of having a child and that's what God was waiting for. There was no possibility of a child between those two. Isaac was a child that was a miracle child that God gave them, a child of promise. And so God was setting up something for the future, an example through Isaac, who he miraculously brought into this world. Joseph, what a great man of faith. So we see Joseph in patience and faith as he is betrayed by his brothers and winds up a slave and then thrown into jail and then as you know the rest of the story became a great leader in Egypt number two under Pharaoh himself we have Moses what a man of faith as he leads the children of Israel and just the almost would seem continual murmuring and problems that 
that he suffered trying to lead these people for 40 years plus out of the, and just a, a man of, can we just say endurance, faithfulness, faithful uh, for Moses. And then Joshua, certainly a, a great leader, a man of great faith as he leads the children of Israel into victory into the promised land. Rahab the harlot, also listed as a woman of faith, put it all on the line, believing that this truly was the people of God and uh, basically betrayed her homeland and followed after the people of God. And of course, is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ, Gideon, a great leader in the book of Judges. Barak also, uh, a general of the armies. Uh, Samson, a man that we would kind of scratch our heads just a wee bit when we come to the hall of faith because Samson's certainly, certainly not a, a shining light of example for, uh, for us as Christians, but a man that God saw as a man of faith and he's listed in the hall of faith. And then we have Jephthah. This is the man that had a precious daughter. And so he had made a commitment to the Lord, not knowing that whatever came out of, this, out of his house first, he would sacrifice. And of course, it turned out to be his daughter that came out to meet her father. And um, we don't believe that he sacrificed her, but certainly gave her to to being just a, a woman that was uh, set apart for the Lord all of her days, never married or had children or anything like that. It's not real super clear in the scriptures, but certainly a man that gave up uh, the future of his daughter unexpectedly. David, of course, a great man of faith. We see a man like Samuel in the Old Testament, a great man of faith. We look to the New Testament people like Peter, James, John, the Apostle Paul, extraordinary people of faith that we look to as our heroes of the past, who amongst us doesn't look at, at Apostle Paul and just marvel at the, at the level of Christianity that we can look to in this man, Paul. Just the endurance, what he put up with and what he suffered, and the way he carried the load of burdens for us to see. All are witnesses to us that we can finish our race. I would tell you that's the, what I want you to take home with you tonight is to finish your race. These are witnesses to that the race can be run in all, no matter what the obstacles we find in our life, we will find in this list that our obstacles that we face have been already faced and have been conquered, defeated, and they've completed their races. They ran their races. They endured their races. All are witnesses to us we come now to verse number one. This group, and I've added some names of people that are common to us from the New Testament that were outstanding people. But these witnesses here, it says, wherefore seeing in verse one, wherefore, because of all this, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience, the race that is set before us. This cloud of witnesses, there's a couple different thoughts on it, but I, I think the one I, I believe probably is what I think makes more contextual sense to me. We have this idea somehow that there's a cloud of witnesses, and certainly 
I've thought this at times and have heard this, a cloud of witnesses in heaven that are watching us run our race. How many have ever heard that? It's, it's not uncommon. Um, but the, another thought also is they are witnesses to us. They ran their races and they're witnesses to us that we can run our race. They're witness of the fact that Jesus Christ, that God was faithful through the times of these difficult races that they ran. And so they're witnesses of the fact that God is faithful to bring you through. When we look at, at these folks, we realize the miraculous way that God, God worked in their lives and the, the patience that so many of these folks endured, the suffering. I mean, who would want to be Moses? I mean, that just, I mean, in the, in the Old Testament, it's just almost a, a constant, shall we say, pain in the neck. It just, it just unending almost with, with, with these people wandering in the wilderness and lack of faith to go into the promised land. And I mean, it wasn't only them that got shortchanged. It was Moses that didn't get to go in. And so it just, um, you know, certainly somebody that we had greatly admire is maybe the, one of the most phenomenal leaders in the Bible. But boy, you don't want to, you don't want to do that. I mean, the endurance of this thing, 40 years in the wilderness with these people, my goodness, and the patience that this man had. Uh, so we look at these heroes and, and we're, they're witness to us that God did sustain them. God did bring them through. And so we can look to them as a great source of encouragement as we run our races that seem to be difficult at times. We're called to a race. The Bible called, says here, we're surrounded by the cloud of witnesses. And then secondly, you'll see the phrase, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. Um, you'll often see, I say often see, but remember those little things you runners put around their ankles? Just maybe Velcro them on or something. I don't know if they still do that, if that's still popular, but it used to seem to me like it was pretty popular for a while. They'd wrap those around there and they'd, they'd run with those on. Why they, they were, of course, they were building them up for what are they doing? They're preparing for a race. So they're, they're using that. Uh, this is much more common, but you'll see a batter slide a, a heavy weight onto his bat. And he's, he's on deck or he's in the hole, as we would call it. And he's waiting to come up to bat, but he's got that weight on the bottom of his bat. And he's, he's swinging the bat with a heavy weight on it. Now, let's just face it. He's not going to go to bat with that weight on it. It's just to strengthen him. He's not, he's not going to the plate with that thing on. He's not going into uh, the, the, you know, the batter's box with the weight on, you know, his coach would be calling timeout like, whoa, 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 you forgot to take that, that off. You're not going to get a hit with that thing. And so we look at the concept of weights. Sometimes those weights are put on to, to, for strengthening and training for strength and those kind of things. But when it comes to running the race, he says to lay aside the weights. Lay aside the weights in your life. What are you committed to? What slows you down and causes you to accomplish less for God? Are you committed to many other things that you say in some sense you're more committed to than you are the Lord? Do you have these weights in your life that keep you from running your race because you're weighted down with things that are taking up your time and effort that are not things that are necessarily things that, that need to be going on in your life. 
I don't know what anybody's individual's weights are, and, and you, you don't necessarily know what my weights would be, especially in the morning on the scale. Uh, spending can be a weight. It's Christmas time, so I just thought I'd throw it out there for you. Bad habits can be a, a weight. What's a, what's a bad habit? If it was a, don't ask my wife, but if I was to ask your wife, uh, what, what's, a, what's a bad habit? I, I'm sure a wife could say, and you would say, oh, my husband doesn't have any bad habits. He's, he's like, perfect. No such thing, huh? There's some bad habits. I don't know what my wife would say but I'm sure there's something that's a bad habit. It's not a sinful habit because I don't, I don't do anything like that. But, but we all have habits that may be grinding us down. They can be a weight in your life. What are you known for? Mrs. Nelson and, and I had a, had a lady that was outstanding at her craft but she was always very late. I don't mean like five minutes. I don't mean like 20 minutes. I'm like an hour plus. And it, it was somewhat frustrating. No, it was a lot frustrating. And it was just, it was just, honestly, it seemed like it was always that way. It was a wait for her. Is the purpose of your wait worthy? or necessary in your life, or is it just a weight? Is it just something that, that bogs you down that you could let it go? Is it holding you back? What is it in your life that is a weight? Maybe you don't always recognize it because you're so accustomed to it that you're just used to it, but it's a weight in your life that's keeping you from moving forward. That all of us, I would suppose, have such things. But tonight when we think of if we are going to run our race in the way that Jesus Christ would have us run it, we're going to have to look for those weights in our life that are holding us back, keeping us back, keeping us from accomplishing and becoming what God would have us to become. And we all have them. And you say, well, Pastor, I'm not really sure what that is. Take about five minutes, and I think you'll think of something that's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that would be a weight, wouldn't it? I'm standing here, and I'm thinking of, of weights, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm thinking of a couple weights that I didn't think of while I was preparing the message because I was preparing it for you, not me, and now I'm stuck with it. I'm, I'm joking. But you know what? We have weights. We have things that we need to leave behind to help us go forward for Christ, to help us be more effective in our work for the Lord in ministry. Jacob in the Bible was very, I'm sorry, not Jacob, but Joab in the Bible. He was the captain of the host for David. But he's just one of those guys. You could just flip a coin because you never know whether it was going to be good or it was going to be bad with Joab. He just was one of those guys. Just, just unpredictable. In the end, he died like everybody, but he was, he, was, uh, he was put to rest prematurely, we might say, um, after David passed away. 
But Joab was just an unpredictable man, and I would tell you that would have been a weight that I would have told you them in his life is that you would, could not predict what Joab would do. Saul, Saul, when he became the king, was just a tremendous young man in height, stood head and shoulders. He was a good man. He was a goodly person. He was admired. He just was, and, and, and the one that God had chosen to be anointed to be the first king in Israel. He started very, very well. But if you can think of King Saul, what is, I know Pastor Nelson can answer the question quickly because he knows right, right what is in my mind, of course. But I, I, he's taught a couple of times on, on Saul. Saul struggled with partial obedience. He did partly what God said, but he had a, he had a tough time coming through with everything God said. And these were not, you know, it's, when God says something, it's not really, well, if you get, if you get half of it right, that is going to be okay. There's a, there's a problem with that, and that's, that's he's God, right? And so halfway doesn't really cut it. And so Saul, we find, really, really shortened his effectiveness of king. He was king for quite some time, obviously, but his effectiveness of king as king was so shortened. Let's just face it. If you were to ask you tonight, how many think Saul ran his race well, there'd be almost no hands in the room because he didn't. He did not run his race well. And the reason he didn't run his race well was because of the weights he personally was carrying. Who was stopping Saul from being an effective king? It certainly was not David. Do you realize if you had David and you were king, that'd be like having a basketball team with Michael Jordan. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this. I mean, he's a man after God's own heart. God gave him literally not cartoonish stuff, but gave him superhuman strength to do amazing things as a warrior. Can you imagine, instead of Saul spending his whole tenure as king, chasing David around year after year, had he engaged David into the kingdom? I mean, he could have been a great king, but he wasted all of his time. What was he doing? He had a weight that he just carried that he could not let go of. And he never was effective as a king and certainly not even well thought of in any way. Why? Because he just carried this weight that he could not cut loose and just stayed constantly after David year in, year out. We'll look at the man called Absalom. Absalom, if you read the story of him carefully, this man was obviously very personable, very handsome, had a phenomenal head of hair. I mean, that's worth something, amen. Amen, Chris. You understand, he really, he had all the gifts, but yet he had a problem. That's what he wanted, something that did not belong to him. And of course, sought to take over the kingdom and lost his life in the process. He had a weight that he was carrying. He could not control his own spirit. Judas walked with our Lord Jesus Christ all those years with our Lord. But he had a weight that he carried. He had a love for money that he could not let go of.
and what turned out to be to his demise. Was it something that we would say huge? I certainly not uncommon for people to love money, but certainly was a man that led him to his demise because he could not let go of that weight in his love for money. The Bible says, let us lay aside the weights. I have no idea what's going on in your life, but I think every one of us can quickly look and say, this is a weight that I need to let go of. There's something in my life. It may not be any gigantic sin. It might just be a habit. It may not be a sinful habit. It just might be a habit that needs to go in your life. Maybe it's a habit that you need to add to your life that is missing in your life, and you know it in some sense. That thing which you need to bring into your life is the weight that you carry because you're just you're not accomplishing what God has because you are overlooking the thing that you need to bring into your life, and that weights you down. The second thing that the Bible says, it says, lay, let us lay aside the sin lay aside the sin that besets us, easily besets us. And so we lay aside the weights and then we lay aside the sin. Sin will eventually destroy your, if you're in the ministry, it'll destroy your ministry and it will destroy any life. It's not picky about who it destroys. If you're somebody of position and authority in the church, oh, it'll take you down. Sin will do it doesn't matter who you are, sin will, can destroy your life. It says, let us lay aside the sin which easily besets us. It'll likely eliminate your family from the race, a sin in your life. If nothing else, it will damage them extraordinarily. Sin will keep you from finishing your race. Why? You, know, be, you won't be eligible to run your race sometimes, and it'll keep you from finishing your race. Sin will disqualify you from the race that God has for you many times. God may have a race for you, and then sin can disqualify you from the race that God has. Bad habits can take you out of your race. Sin that's in your life, that are habits that take control of your life, let those things go, things that are in control of your life. We're in a society that people are just in bondage to things in their life that control them, and their life works around it. I was... I, I, I will never, never understand it because I'm not going to pick it up, but um, smoking was kind of popular when I was a kid uh, from the standpoint of, you know, movie stars and whatnot would smoke. And uh, it was, a, you know, the Marlboro man on the, on the billboards, you know, was cool. Brother Flogger's smiling. He's what I'm talking about. He just, he liked the cowboy hat. But... But so smoking was kind of cool, I guess. You know, teenagers, of course, think it's cool a lot of times, and they'll, they'll pick you up. But the problem with it, it takes control of your life. I used to marvel that the guys that were on the third floor of the, of the, the building uh, were all the heavyweights of the company, right? And so those guys, all, all of a sudden, all the rules came down on smoking. It was, you know, and here they are, you know, out and back by the dumpster, you know, these are guys, suits, ties, freezing cold out there. <laughs> They're smoking cigarettes. It was almost laughable to see it because it's like, I mean, these are the, these are the head of honchos. And uh, they're out there with the kids, right? And uh, it was just kind of funny to me. What, 
Do you think they wanted to be out there in a snowstorm smoking a cigarette? N not really. <laughs> They'd get a buddy to go with them. But it, what, did, what, did it, what did it do? It, it took control of their life. And, and so they could no longer uh, sit in their nice warm office. In our day and age, video games can take you into bondage. It's, uh, I have no idea how big a problem is, but I just know it's probably a, a problem in many lives that video games can take, take young people and children over. Um, sin in your life can bring you into bondage. What do I need to lay aside and run my race better? What do I need to lay aside and run my race better? Can you put that question in your mind for tonight's sermon? What can I put aside that would allow me to run my race better? As you just walk through your life and your routine of life, what is it that is stopping you from running your race for the Lord Jesus Christ better than what it's being run right now? Number one is lay aside the weights. Number two, lay aside the sin. Number three, let us run with patience, endurance, the race that's set before us. Christian life is a marathon. It is lifelong, and we're to be found faithful when we see our Lord. It is an endurance race. It's a marathon. Don't give up on it quickly or easily. It's a steady pace. It's not just running as hard as you can. It is running the race with endurance, day in, day out, being faithful. In Hebrews chapter 11, if you look over, it might be a page over for you, chapter 11, just a phenomenal passage right here. These are speaking of those that we look back to. These all died in faith, not having received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. You understand? Let me go back and read you this again because I'm not hearing anybody go, wow, okay? These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. Here's the phrase, and were persuaded of them. They didn't see it. They never received it. Christ was coming someday, but they never saw him. He was coming. It was prophesied, but they never saw it. And they embraced it and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, we are not in the same situation they were. We have much more light than they do. We have a complete word of God in our hands. They did not have that. They had, some, they had the law of Moses in their hands. They did not have the, pro, the, the prophecies that we have. They had some prophecies. They knew there was a Messiah that was coming, and they embraced that. We now know the Messiah came, and we're celebrating his birthday. So we have that. They, they didn't have it. They embraced it. We are walking a similar path, though, is that we're looking for our Lord's return. As they were looking for the Messiah to come, we are looking for our Lord's return someday. As surely as Messiah did come, he will come again as the one that the Jews are looking for.
to be king of kings and lord of lords, the Messiah, and he will come again. But they ran their race and they embraced their race. Now, the race was not nearly as smooth as our race. The race was a rough race. Talked about Noah. That's a tough race. We look at these, these people and, and, and all the sacrifices they made, but they embraced their race and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. For they say such things and declare pla plainly that they seek a country. Back to chapter 12. They all died in faith. They never saw the promises. Can we follow after this, these people? They had far less than we have to look to. We have much more. We have a complete copy of the word of God in our hands. Stop looking for an easier race. Stop looking for an easier race. Run the race that God puts, puts you into. Your race may not get easier. Your, your race may get harder. It's more difficult for some to get to church now than it was a few years ago. Amen? The race may not get easier, but stay in the race. Stop looking for another race to run. Some folks, you, you, you're, you're not happy with the race you're in. God places us in positions, and I don't mean authority positions, but he puts us in positions in life. Don't be always looking to run somebody else's race. Well, somebody else's race looks better than my race. I want to run their race. Boy, that's a slippery slope to get into, is looking at somebody else's race and saying, well, I was, wish I was running. How come I got to do this? How come my race is harder than that guy? God has placed you in your race because he's equipped you to run your race and will equip you till, till you see him to run your race. In all fairness, you can pick out people and let's just admit it. Some people appear to have harder races than others. It is. It's true. Some races are going to be easier. I mean, I, I don't want to be the Apostle Paul. Oh, my goodness. Now, when I get to glory, I want to be the Apostle Paul, but... Man, I tell you what, I mean, how many times have men beaten 30 times with stripes, locked up in jail? I mean, just unbelievable what this man went through physically. I mean, almost year in and year out. It seems like there was never a, like, just a wonderful race for the Apostle Paul. I mean, when you read off the list of things this man went through, in perils, in, in the water, in night and day, and my goodness, uh, that list is just gut-wrenching what he went through. I want that race. I'm pretty comfortable. I don't want to do that, get beat up all the time. There's others that have run harder races than yours. There's just people going to have harder races than yours. And guess what? We're going to look to those people and realize that what they had, the endurance, and God saw them through their race. God will see you through your race. They'll be seeking another person's race. Run your race. Another thought for you, stop making your race harder. Deal with the problems you struggle with while they're small. Where's Jimmy at? Jimmy takes care of my car. And the nature of cars, and Jimmy could testify he runs into this probably every day of his life or every other day, and that is he should have brought it to me sooner. And I just, I just had him look, look at mine, something that was just 
appeared to be a small problem, but as we got into it, it, it created other opportunities for things that got the top of the engine off. You got some opportunities to fix some other things. So what we did some maintenance. Pastor Nelson preached a, a, a message, a good message on maintaining things. So did some maintenance while he's in there, put some new gaskets and man, the thing's just purring, right? And uh, but if you don't, but if you don't take care of it, guess what happens? Jimmy's telling you, well, it probably could have been about 500 bucks two weeks ago, but <laughs> now it's going to be a couple thousand because we didn't get to it in time. So now we have these other, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, but not really. We've all been there, done that, right? We should have fixed it earlier. A, a, a leak, a leak in a pipe is probably not a crisis in your home. A flooded basement is a crisis, amen? You, you understand the point? You're running your race. Don't, don't make it worse than it is. There's a lot of things in life that you can be taking care of in life that are going to turn into problems in your life that are huge problems. Men, treat your wife well. That can turn into a big problem for you in 20 years. 10 years, five years. Amen? Ladies, treat, treat your husband with some respect. It's, it's right there in the Bible. Treat your husband with some, it's just what guys like. We like to be respected. Ladies love to be loved. They want you to love them and be good to them. A man wants you to respect him. What, so all I'm saying is, you, is, is solve some of these things while you're young, right? Solve some of these problems. Now. They're, they're, not, they're not that big of problems. They can be solved pretty easily. But down the road, they don't solve quite so easily. Young couples, treat each other well. Be good to each other. Care for problems while they can be cared for. Don't make, them, don't make your path harder than it has to be. Uh, correcting children when they're young is a little simpler than when they're teenage rebels. Just saying, it doesn't get easier to fix. It gets harder to fix. And so don't, don't, make, don't let matters take your life over when you could have taken care of them in an appropriate time in a variety of things. It might, and these are weights that come into your life. They're things that you can fix that don't turn into huge problems for you. In other words, they make your race way worse than what God ever intended for you because you've made it worse, right? God gave you a race. Run the race that God gave you, but, but don't, don't make your race a, a rougher race because of your own negligence in many, in many ways. You must finish your race. You must finish your race if you are to win your race. There's not any other possibilities. Understand that? If you don't finish your race, you don't win. You don't win the prize. You don't win the reward. You have to finish. It is, a, it is an endurance. It is a faithfulness. And it's something that we see the Lord that we finished. We did not quit. 
We did not give up on the Lord. We didn't decide to be Jehovah Witnesses. We didn't decide just to drop out because, you know, I'm just tired of this Christian life. I don't know what's tired to get tired of. I mean, addictions aren't really all that attractive, but no, no, no. This is an endurance race. It's a marathon. Be faithful to it. It is the greatest life you can ever live, but don't make it hard. God will see you through the tough times, but it's hard for God to see you through the situations you're creating. He will. He'll see you through those situations, even the ones that are things we've created for ourselves. Faithfulness is a guide in your race. Be faithful to church. Be faithful to reading God's word. It's part of your race. Take care of your responsibilities. That's not, that's not a weight. Young moms, you've got a little... We've got a lot of little children in the church. Your children are not a weight. They're part of your race. So I, I know you feel like, boy, I've got so much on my plate with the kids that I'm not able to do the things, perhaps even things you'd like to do in ministry that you'd like to be more involved with and you can't. And you feel like, well, you know, I just have a lot of things on my plate. You, you, your family's not a weight. That's your race. You have to run your race. That's, that's part of your race. Sometimes we look at things and like, well, this is weighting me down. There's a lot of things in life. Guys, we've got to get up and go to work every morning, right? That's, that's not a weight. That's part of our race. That's it's just part of what, what you have to do. You've got to get up and go to work. And that's just your race. That's not, well, boy, boy, if I didn't have to go to work, I could do more for God. Well, yeah, no, I had to get up and go to work every day for God, right? So that's just the nature of life. So don't confuse weights and race. Because your race is your race. A lot of things are just in your race that you, that you have to take care of. And so make your race for yourself. How do I finish? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher who endured the cross, despising the shame. I thought of this song. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. Dan, I would have done it in a moment. Can you imagine? Just... I, Don's sitting there, and I think of Don when I say this, but can you imagine somebody just grabbing Don's beard? And you could get a pretty good handful of hair there and, and just ripping it off his face. I think he'd be calling for 10,000 angels. <laughs> it just, I, and what they did to our Lord, and with the power to stop it, he never did. He endured the race that he was running in spite of his ability to change the race. He did not. He endured the cross despising the shame. I, I, I can't... Can you imagine parents or a rebellious teenager or something that would just spit in your face, how that would just completely anger you? If, if, if somebody just so beneath you would spit in your face... And here's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and all these things are happening to him. It's just, it's just unbelievable, the endurance to finish his race under these conditions with the power to stop it. Yet he did not. He pressed forward, endured the race. Why? Because he's going to be King of kings and Lord of lords. He is going to be sitting on the throne in heaven for all eternity, and he finished his race. Let's finish our race. 
Let's don't make it hard on ourselves. Let's make our race as easy as we possibly can by dropping the weights off, by doing the things that make our race harder for our own selves. Let's all stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed, altar will be open. We'll have our invitation. It's not too late, 707. We'll be out of here in just a few minutes. We'll sing an invitation song here, and the altar will be open for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the race that you have given to us, the fact that we're in Christ, and the race that we have to run is a race that is worthwhile, a race that ends in heaven, a race, Father, that you reward. And Father, there's so many benefits to the Christian life. Thank you for the race that you've given to us individually and collectively as a church. Thank you for the blessings of the race today. But Father, I pray tonight our challenge is that we would look inside our hearts, our lives, and say, okay, what are the things that I need to remove the weights and the sin that is besetting me? I pray, Father, all of us would look inside and find those things and begin to put those things out of our life.